I've had places where like management sits and everybody else stands, and then they like go down the list of like each person and then write stuff down in their notebook. That's kind of intimidating. Yeah, that contract didn't last long. <laughs> they should sit on like a throne of swords. <laughs> Stand up feels so redundant anymore. Ever since all of our uh, you know tools like GitHub are, are talking into uh, our chat, so. We do stand up every day, and I hear all the stories that I saw come through GitHub. I'm like, yep, I know that's what you're working on. That's a good point. Like, I feel maybe it's just being a remote team and and the way that we operate. We don't do daily stands. We do like a beginning of the week thing because most people are working asynchronously. Um, so I haven't really missed any. Like, it, it was different at first because I came from like a really strict here's you know morning stand up agile weekly sprints. Uh, but it's been working really well without that stuff. But I guess you kind of have to assume that everybody in the team is comfortable doing that, including management. There are some, uh, I forget what they're called, but there's some apps you can like connect to Slack that do a stand-up through chat. So like the bot will like ask you what you did and what you're doing tomorrow and yada yada. And then it will compile like a report and email to everybody. Oh yeah, I've seen that before. That was that was a thing when everyone was using Campfire before the great migration to Slack. Oh, was it? I've, I've seen two for Slack. Ah, I remember it from Campfire. Ah. Yeah, a friend uh, a friend of mine made one. Uh, it's uh, tatsu.io. T-A-T-S-U? T-A-T-S-U.io. Stand-up meetings in Slack. And a Slack bot asks you. And then I don't know if it has reports or not, but it just makes sense. It seems so much easier than like coordinating, especially if you're remote, than coordinating a stand-up. Just type your thing into Slack. What if that's some sort of output? Otherwise, where, where's it all going? Like you said, there's no reports. I'm not sure if there is. Unless you just have like a stand-up room. I guess it's pretty easy to just, you don't need an app to do this. Just make a room called (laughs) stand-up. Yeah, that's what they show in the example. I'm looking at it now. Speaking of Slack bots, I think I'm almost uh, done with my Elixir bot. Oh, cool. We should should test it in uh, the Philly Dev Slack sometime. We run out of integrations, though. The what? I imagine that oh, yeah. integration. Well, I could just mm-hmm. use my own key. It would just be weird that the bot would be me. Then you couldn't play. No, I could. You could. Still, I think you could still type and have the bot respond. I guess you could just make a new user for the bot. Can you? So you can yeah, you play this game. I know there's. Well, I guess nobody else knows, but I know there's people and somebody's a spy. But I don't understand the entire premise. Um, I know you explained it before, but I forgot. Yeah. So the the way it works out is that. Everyone uh, is like an agent, uh, and they have a location. So say we're uh, on a cruise ship, and the spy's goal is to figure out what the location is, and everyone else's goal is to figure out who the spy is. And the game plays by one person starting and asking anyone else a question. Uh, And the only rule is you can't ask a question back, so the same two people can't just be stuck interacting the whole game. Uh, So I could say something kind of ambiguous. Like, I don't want to say, like, uh, Justin, do you get seasick here? Because if you figure out that we're on a cruise ship, you win. Uh, But I might say something like, Justin, uh, how how did you get here today? Uh, And if you said, you know, I drove, that'd be a good indication that you were a spy. So it's just just really short. So it's like a fun filler game. And unlike other games like Werewolf and Resistance that do this kind of thing, uh, I think they, you know, they're a little more heavy. But uh, a lot of those rely on just kind of like social or like facial cues. Uh, and this one is mostly just like, what type of questions are you asking, and how ambiguous are your answers? And I just needed a good like hello world easy project to uh, kind of dip my toes into Elixir. 
No, it seems super cool. It uh, kind of makes me think of like you ask somebody a question, put them on the spot, and then in, in Slack you see the bubbles like they're typing and then they stop typing and typing again and they stop typing. And you're like, oh my god, they're hesitating. What was the most fun part of writing the bot? Like, what did you discover about Elixir or like a tooling? So I probably wrote terrible, non idiomatic Ruby ish Elixir because I was on a plane while I was writing most of it. Um, so I was just writing mostly the rules engine, but the funnest part is just how fast it is. So I would just run mix test and all my tests would run in like 0.05 seconds. And having done Ruby for so many years, I've uh, forgotten what that kind of feedback feels like. It goes like that too. And how are you running your tests? Like when I wrote Elixir, I had a mix test that filed and then ran the test. Was it? A, I had a make, I had a make. Not a mix, a make that ran mix build and then mix test. So I think, I mean, everything just worked. So I, I think mix test just compiles any files that changed. Ah. And I was actually, I used Turbux. So in my Vim pane, I bind uh, enter to kind of just send a, a tmux panel uh, mix test. So I basically just type away in Vim and then, you know, go into normal mode, hit enter, and then see my results. So I, I never leave Vim. Cool. The Vim plugin for Elixir still sucks. <laughs> Did you notice it doesn't do like syntax checking? Oh yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. I either need to switch to Emacs or figure out how to reverse engineer Alchemist, the Emacs plugin, and, and make it work in Vim. That has a lot of refactorings and stuff, right? Uh, so it Alchemist actually does like auto-completion too. Like it knows where you are in the code, what's in the scope, and it will give you everything available to you, I think. Um, it also does syntax checking, and it also has the ability to jump to a definition of a function or a macro. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Is that only, can it do your dependencies or just your project? I don't know. I think dependencies. So uh, Elixir, when you do like mixdeps.get, it uh, installs everything to a local directory in your project. That's get ignored. I think it's slash depths. So I think... I think uh, that everything should be in your local working directory, so it should be pretty easy to jump to definitions. Whereas Ruby, you need to like go find where the gem is and which which gem set you're in. Depending on which Ruby installer you're using, you might be or Ruby version manager, you might be using. There's like a dozen potential places for your gems to be. Well, I guess you could just check gem path. Anyway, Alchemist looks really cool, and I wanted to work in them. Yeah, I pondered for about ten minutes uh, switching to Space Max. <laughs> But it just seemed like so daunting. What seemed daunting about it? Just learning a new IDE. Kind of the, what I told myself when I started learning Vim is that this learning curve is going to be steep, but you're never going to learn another IDE. Mm. Vim's been around for like 20 some years and it'll be around for 20 some more. Are you insert, still using uh, Space Max? Ins insert jokes. So I stopped using Space Max after like a week of using Space Max, um, or maybe two. Uh, after a short time, uh, I just found it. It was like Janus for me. Like it was hiding how things worked, and I couldn't do anything outside of what SpaceMax did. And it was really slow. Um, so I just read a bunch of articles on configuring Emacs, and I configured it to use Evil Mode. So I still use Evil Mode, but I just don't use all the things that come with SpaceMax. Do these giant on-one like plugins included things exist for like Sublime Text or TextMate or Atom, where people like repackage them with a bunch of stuff pre pre-installed? Oh, you mean like is there like a starter for Sublime? 
Yeah, like here's my version of Sublime with all these sensible defaults that I that I found different from the Sublime defaults. Maybe I mean people post their like config file for Sublime, so. Well, I think comparatively, so, you know, these newer IDEs are very usable. Vim out of the box, not customized, is basically worthless. Not worthless, but especially for somebody new coming to it, I mean, they're not going to get work done. I always hear the like uh, the argument, like somebody that uses, like, oh, I just use vanilla Vim. And then I show them, like, oh, look, I can do this in this language that they use. And they're like, oh, well, that's handy. <laughs> for some people, though, the idea of getting used to something that's not going to be there if you go to another machine, they feel strongly about that. And that's why they choose to run vanilla Vim. And I'm sure some of them are like, I'm so elite. <laughs> I don't need configs. I just know all the bad parts about Vim that I don't do. I'm sure that's what they say. I don't know. I would support everyone trying Emacs at least, you know, for half a day. Maybe. Someday, maybe. Max is cool. I just don't like to see loading bars when I'm starting my editor. <laughs> so sell me on that again. Why would I want to use SpaceMax instead of Vim? Besides, if I wasn't writing Elixir. I just think, personally, that Emacs is a better editor. Because of the, like all the tooling, it's similar to Alchemist. Like It's just better. So Ruby has the you know robe, which lets you jump to methods and see method definitions and stuff. And you can see method definitions in uh vim 2 um, but only some of it i don't know it just doesn't work seamlessly and like with closure it also has a REPL. um syntax checking is very good it's not like i haven't run into the problem that i always run in with vim maybe my vim is just misconfigured but i always like freeze up when sometimes i'm checking stuff uh, i feel like i've used it and now i'm used to it and i don't realize what's different from Vim anymore. It's just this thing that I use now that I feel is better. But I think if you use Alchemist, you'll, you'll feel such joy. Maybe, oh, this is, this is good. It works right out of the box. And you're not, you're not leaving Vim. You're still having Evo mode. So all your, you can bring all your leader key stuff over using Evo leader. Evo leader is a great plugin name. Wait, what? You bring your leaders over? So... Some of them might not work, right? I don't know. Len has some pretty crazy stuff. Um, but Vim ha Emacs also has a leader plugin. So there's Evil Mode, which is just the motions, and then there's a leader plugin. It's called Leader Mode? No, it's just called Evil Leader. And you just set up a big uh, list of leader things. So whatever he has set up, he can bring it over and see which ones work and which ones don't. We should put a moratorium on Elixir. Oh, I was just going to ask about Elixir Conf. <laughs> I think I'm going to go. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Talk. I have no justification to go. You're doing an Elixir talk. I know, but that's not... Financially, I have no justification. Yeah, I, well, my boyfriend has relatives there. So uh, it's in Austin, October 2nd and 3rd. So we can like visit relatives and do a conference. Oh, that's super cool. Although there is a conference walkable for me the same days. Uh, there's an OS Feels conference open source and feelings and it's about a 10 minute walk away on the same day as elixir conference yeah jessica curris keynoting the elixir conf yeah speaking of elixir there's a screencast called elixirsips.com uh and then a new screencast just came out this week called uh phoenix screencasts 
I have not watched it, but if you're learning Elixir for web development, it's probably a good good thing to subscribe to. Although it got What's announced up? today in August, but episode one says March 14th. What's up, Pam? I want to see that link in the show notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would just open the our our scratch pad to see if you dropped it in there. There we go. Anyone else have the problem where they uh, constantly forget how to spell Phoenix? Just yes. Me? Yes, okay. I do. It happens all the time. I type it and then I do the three finger tap on OSX to make sure it's like actually correct. I don't think I, I think I may have told you all this, but I had one extremely hipster roommate in college who made our Wi-Fi password aesthetic and it was <laughs> awful. But like now I can, well, at least I think I can. I might have lost the skill of how to spell aesthetic, but it is a pretty hard word to spell. A-E. Yeah. And anytime, yeah. And anytime someone comes to the house, you had to, you know, tell them that your password is aesthetic. And then they're like, what the, how the hell do you spell that? It is not an easy word to spell. Ass with an E. What? <laughs> I don't know. If, depending on your how you say it, it's like aesthetic, right? Or aesthetic. There goes our explicit tag. <laughs> yeah. Nope. It's happening. <laughs> but yeah. I was I was scrolling through Cognitex podcasts, and they're all explicit. I was like, wow. It didn't strike me as the. I was surprised that we've had a few that haven't been. I'm proud of us. I edited one anyway, last week. I think that I know? marked as not. Explicit, but I'm not actually 100% sure it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Um, like, have we talked I... about, have yeah. we talked about, I mean, speaking of Cognitech, aren't they the closure conch people? Oh, yeah, it's in Philly this year. It's in Philly this year. It's pretty exciting. I hope to go. Me too. Following the, the release of tickets. When is that going on sale? I don't know. I, I know, like, I looked at last year and it seemed like two months beforehand. So. The it CFP like is get, open. Oh, yeah, CFP is open. Uh, that's a good mention. Um, and, yeah, and people should come to Philly. It'll be cool. I don't do closure, and I don't really intend to, but I still really want to go to this conference. Maybe we can propose a Turing and Complete session. <laughs> Where we just talk about closure that we don't know. I mean, we've already <laughs> we've established that this is the podcast where we talk about things we barely used. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, why not? Honestly, I also I really like going to conferences where I'm not. Like I really love JavaScript conferences, but then I also the other complete other end is I like going to conferences where I don't know a whole lot about the space because I feel like I'm learning so so much, you know? That's a good point. So, I really like that. I don't really like the space in between where you know, you hypothetically go to a conference that has a few Java tracks or even, uh, you know, stuff like that, um, where it's it's stuff I, I know, but I don't really care about. <laughs> um, so things like that. I think and, that's a good yeah. conference hack in general. Go to a talk you don't think you'll be interested in, because any talk you know you're interested in probably won't have enough information for you to get that much out of. Like you'll probably know a lot of what they're talking about already. Yeah, I mean, I think the kind of to explain that more, I think what happens, especially when you're writing a conference talk, is that you you want to make it accessible to all like many levels of the audience. So if you already know about a topic, you're going to be in the upper you know ten percent of that audience in terms of how much you understand. Exactly. And so much like you know a good percentage of the talk is exposition because you you want to give people context about what you're talking about. And so if you you know. I feel like I first realized this a few years ago when I wonder what this talk for now. Oh, yeah, actually, you know, the talk like this comparable to this talk is now probably functional programming. But a few years ago, it was every conference had a talk on what the shit is HTML5. 
And I, I went to a few of them until I, you know, just I was honestly at a certain point, it's almost like a case study, like how many times can I see someone intro to HTML5? And like, are they actually going to say anything different? And, you know, at a certain point, you realize that it kind of all follows this pattern. It, I learned a decent amount about speaking from doing that, actually. Um, now I feel like what's like, I think functional programming might be that kind of topic where like there's going to be some kind of functional programming talk at every conference or there should be. Um, I don't know. It's what microservices. Do you oh, you know, you're right. Microservices probably like the talk that is every, that's at every conference. But there's talks like that that just like for a few years are just going to show up at every conference because it's always it's going to be new to a certain like that the audience shift is like it's new to when you first give the talk it's new to 90% of people then it's new to you know 70% then 50 and until it goes down and I think hopefully people will have the picture with what HTML5 is at this point but for a few years it was it was at every conference one of the like trend talks so I think you're right when you say microservices it's a it's a trend talk <laughs> What is the 2016 trend? Let's predict mm. it right now. Yeah, I don't know. I should have proposed to South by Southwest because then I could have decided what it was. <laughs> but since they since they have their talk proposals over a year before, not over, over, like about a year before the conference. But yeah, have any have you all ever been to South by? No. Yeah, I haven't. I feel like it. Even a few years ago, when I first thought about going, people told me I jumped the shark. I uh, I did go in 2011. Uh, my company didn't buy us all passes, so I didn't get to go in very often. Oh, so you shared passes? Yeah, but they had photos on them, so I did. Go, I went in like twice, but it was very nerve-wracking because I'm like, please don't look at my photo too closely. I mean, you didn't look like someone else on your team. Not enough. Not <laughs> enough that would hold up to close inspection. No. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, there's a lot of parties, so. I mean, I've heard you can just show up and yeah, you definitely and do the thing. You can't really. I mean, there's so much stuff going on outside of South by that it's not the end of the world that you can't get in. Mm-hmm. What's the average cost, or is it just one cost? Oh, it's like it's a the, lot. just the conference passes, and I think it's eight hundred for the early bird. I mean, that's that's something that we could actually Google and actually find out. But and it is not it is not cheap. And then you've got to stay in Austin during the busiest time to be in Austin. Austin seems really cool. Yeah, I've never been. Only there was a conference there. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to see what it's like because it's so ridiculously crazy during South By and so crowded that I, I'm curious what the city's like when it's not South By. When it's in normal mode? Yeah. I've, I've met quite a few people who live in Austin, and one of the things that I think sounds so great about Austin is the there was uh, someone who was, she in her talk, she actually mentioned like offhandedly just as like this would be a normal thing about getting breakfast tacos. And that seemed like such an Austin thing to me that I really, really enjoyed it. That just, you know, and of course, and then you go get a breakfast taco where, you know, Philadelphia, I guess, you know, or East Coast equivalent is go get a bagel. You know, I just thought that was really funny. Also, breakfast tacos sound like a fantastic idea. You know, I don't really go for bagels. I love bagels. They're just too much. Do you like, how do you feel about Montreal bagels then? So I've been to... Spread. Yes, which is Montreal, right? Mm -hmm. That's good. I don't like them. They're like diet bagels. Diet bagels? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, actually. Ah, oh, no. It's like you... Also, you know, like there's there's so many ways you can order a bagel, too. You can get order a bagel scooped out. And so if you feel like bagels are too much, you might like it scooped out. Interesting. So they, they take out some of the middle, so then it's a, a little bit lighter. So I don't eat McDonald's. Okay. Except when... <laughs> 
road tripping or like on a long drive where you can eat breakfast. And McDonald's has a sandwich that's like a bagel, egg and cheese with steak. It's like 800 calories. That is like half of what I can eat in a day. <laughs> it's really good for some reason when you're really tired. And Is it better than like a Wawa breakfast sandwich? Because you can get a Wawa bagel sandwich too for breakfast. But not everywhere has Wawa, right? It's like... Well, I mean, everywhere you're driving in the Philly area. Yeah. But um, I usually just get a cheese croissant if I'm in the Philly area. Mm. Man, I'm so hungry now. I <laughs> know, <laughs> I'm good. I had, a, I had a donut this morning. Ooh. I had a churro yesterday for breakfast, and it burnt my mouth. Solid. Wait, it did was... you make the churro? No, no. <clears throat> There's this place uh, at... What the cross street? 16th and Sansom? Chestnut, maybe? Uh, called Dos Tacos. Oh, yeah. I haven't it, been there yet, but I want to try it. That means two tacos? I, I, I got that. You know, I've been, uh, do, I've been doing Duolingo, oh, so, okay. uh, you know, so, my Spanish has been getting better in a I way. Got, I got two tacos, and I got a churro at, like, 11 o'clock, and that was my breakfast. Not the tacos, the churro. <laughs> it was pretty good, though. They will sub any meat for tofu. They will? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've I haven't been, been told. So. Churro was not as sweet as I was expecting. Especially because it's authentic. Maybe it had like it had cinnamon sugar on the outside, but the inside was just kind of. It's a donut. Bland like, dough. Yeah. Yeah. I was just expecting it to be sweeter. Mm. I feel like in high school I had churros that were like filled with some kind of awesome tasting cream. Yeah, I think you can. Th- those do exist. Mm. That sounds like a thing. What else do we eat this week? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I've been eating a lot of pizza. <laughs> Solid. That's how you've been spending your free time. Every so often, I'll go through a phase where I eat lots of pizza. Can you? Um, have you ever grilled pizza, Jervon? Yes. Your grill. So I've made pizza in a green egg before. Um, Is that a pan of some kind? It's just no, it's, a grill. It, yeah. It's a grill. I don't know how it. It kind of heats differently than a regular grill, though, right? Justin? It's a it's a stone grill, so it radiates yeah. kind of like a wood fired oven, I guess. Yeah. Like a brick so I, I haven't grilled pizza. I have been wanting to on like a propane thing, but um, yeah, we had a pizza stone. Um, it fit snugly into the green egg, and you just cover it and you you bake it. Came out pretty good. Yeah, I've made grilled pizza a few times. It's really good. Although I'm terrible at the dough part, like actually making the dough even and transferring it to and from the the grill without completely ruining it. So I'm going to to Omaha this week. It's time. Oh, for Nebraska JS, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited. I get to I'm gonna also go to a fancy vegan restaurant that's in Omaha because it's the only time I'll be in Omaha, probably. Um but yeah, pretty excited. Are you speaking? Yeah, yeah. What on? So I'm do oh yeah, that would be the follow up question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing I was like, wait, there's a thing. It's like why why Gosh. do you think I'm going to Omaha, Justin? Um no hate for Omaha. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sure I'll, I'm sure it'll be super cool. Um, but anyway, so I'm giving my streams talk. Oh, okay. so yeah, so uh, it's it's the one. Well, it is updated because literally, I mean, it's inter- I mean, it's you know, it's JavaScript. So I wrote the talk in April, so that means I have to update you know like ten percent of it because it's literally changed. Um, so it's pretty interesting. But uh, so yeah, it's on streams. So I need to update what I got to do today. Is so the. The async generator spec is out, and the observable spec is in. So that is the current status of streams in ES 2016. Hmm. So we're used, at least, you know, probably the preferred stream-like interfaces. 
So that'll be interesting. I'm kind of hoping to, I'm going to see what I can get done today to see if I can contribute something. But, you know, conferences in a couple of days. Also, it's only, it's a 25 minute talk. So it's, it's a, it's a fun talk. I think it'll, it'll be good on video too. So and then they do video talks. So they do record. That's the word I was looking for. They do record their talks. Nice. And I Omaha. get to see a, a conference buddy. So. Omaha looks nice. I know very little. All I, ha- I all I did was I checked to make sure that Lyft is in Omaha so that I can get to the vegan restaurant. It looks green, very green. That sounds good. I need some trees. I need some trees in my life, especially in the summer. Like it gets so hot in the city since there's no trees. So Lyft in Philly is fifty percent off right now. If you can get, one. I don't know. I never. During I never the weekdays. Yeah, I just use the subway. You know, it's, you know, it's cheaper than Lyft. The subway. <laughs> so it's a dollar eighty. But that's crazy, though. 50% off? It is a little absurd. I've had some friends take it who they took it from, like, Center City to, you know, deep in Fairmont Park to go play Frisbee. And they literally paid, like, $6. It was, it's a little disturbingly cheap. But, yeah, I think they, I think they're hopefully paying the drivers just fine. I know. I just, I avoid, I deleted Uber. So I I pulled the cord on them. I wish I could, but as a non-car owner, I just can't survive without them. But what about Lyft or Sidecar? Or... I should make Lyft my default. Yeah. I, I like, try it Lyft. first. Yeah. Yeah. Try it first, at least. And that's kind of what... I mean, also, I got to the point where I was just like, you know, I'm just going to delete it. And I mean, I've, I've taken Ubers with other people. That's the other thing, too. It's like when you delete on your own, you can still end up right taking them with other people. But I did want to try and make a change. I just as Lyft some people first. will delete their text editors. <laughs> I, um, I haven't heard of Sidecar. Oh what yeah, it's it's yet another one. I don't I don't even know if it's still around. It probably is. I don't know. Picture you can always and you can on. always do Craigslist rideshare. You know, I, I did do oh, that that's once. Safe. What? I did do that. I do that. Yeah, I um I and I in retrospect, it was probably really a, not a great idea. But um, so I was driving to Chicago, and so I got a guy on Craigslist to ride with me, and I even got tired and made him drive my car. <laughs> um, I also uh, made him pay for an entire tank of gas, and he was not pleased about that. But he can't really say anything because he was getting a ride to Chicago. So that's a pretty good deal. I think, yeah. I mean, I definitely made out better on. He was pretty grumpy. He was an AmeriCorps volunteer. He was a decent human being. It was just, you know, it was fine. Um, but it was that was Craigslist rideshare. How do you do this? Do you go you use Google Craigslist you rideshare? Yeah. Well, do you just go on Craigslist uh, for your city? Like where either where you're leaving from or where you're going to. I, I think I did it from where I was leaving from. And then said, well, because I was offering a ride. So and people people do it pretty often, especially like, you know, this was Kentucky to Chicago. So there's a good number of people looking for it. Uh, and so and people who make the drive a lot will try and pick up riders to to cut costs. So. But yeah, you just, I, I just posted that I, you know, and then I think I, I think you, I only got like a couple responses. So you, you just filter and, you know, make sure they're a decent human being. And it was fine. This is what we did before we had apps. People say that you should uh, see what companies are using uh, Microsoft Excel for, to find out what kind of apps you should make. Um, maybe it's the same thing with Craigslist. Like whatever people are using Craigslist for, you could probably build an app around that same functionality. Oh, oh I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because it's, you know, especially, I like that Excel tip. Because, yeah, it's like, what what do people use crude-ish tools yeah. to do? <laughs> uh, and how can you make it a really, you know, a really targeted, specialized experience? Yeah, exactly. 
Interesting. I think I've heard Ben Ornstein say that on Thought Podcast. I mean, that's so, like, what I mean, that's old... what the gig matchers are too. Because like really? I've hired I've hired movers off Craigslist too, and now you can. There's all these different you know thumbtack and all this stuff for for hiring random help and handy people and things like that. Oh, thumbtack. I used yeah. a TaskRabbit before. Yeah, yeah, TaskRabbit but, stuff like that. Yeah, a few years ago there was like a lot of TaskRabbits, and now there seems to be barely any, and I don't know what happened. Because they don't get paid enough. Probably. 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 Yeah. There was that one article on Medium that was interesting, where someone was someone's TaskRabbit butler, and they just wrote about how ridiculously weird it was. There's like a series on the gig economy. It was pretty interesting. I don't know. I'll see if I can find it. Whenever I get it, uh, you know, the few times I have gotten help like that, um, I can't shake some part of me that wants to help them do their thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even when I, I hired movers for moving the apartment, and it's awkward when you're like, I'm going to stand here in the corner. <laughs> I'm paying you to lift my stuff. But I mean, ultimately, that was a little bit that was easier because I really don't like lifting things. So I mean, but imagine if your clients had that instinct. Like, oh, can I help you uh, write some code? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I used to live near a hardware store that had one of these signs that said there's something like, you know, the, the fee for the service and then the fee if you provide your own parts and the fee if you want to, in quotes, help is twice as much. <laughs> it's a good small business sign. Back to like Lyft and Uber, I just can't wait for fully autonomous cars. So. Oh, yeah, just the self-driving car. Just Yeah, I don't know if it'll still be Uber at that point, but whatever car service, I just want a car to show up without a person in it. It's kind of, well, yeah, let's start talking about how terrible that's going to be for our economy. But Well, I mean, every other techno- technological innovation has been creating jobs in other areas. Like, I mean, or we could update the way we view our society and try and have everyone work less because there's really not as much work to do and maybe we can all be happy and work less. Yeah, what is, what is that word for um, standard? No, standard, <laughs> standard pay or something, like when everybody gets a salary for doing nothing. Oh, it's, and it's not for, do, it's standard it's income? For, standard income, that's what it is. It's essentially like a right to live wage is what it's about. Is that, and that it doesn't matter if you work or not. You get right. it whether you work or not so that you can you can seek to work and you can make more than your standard wage. But um, you owe, no matter what you do, you always get your standard income. And that's just like enough money for like food and shelter. and. Yeah, but I mean, not it's re- reasonable, but not as not austere. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm generally in favor of that in favor of universal health care. I mean, we live in the future. I'm frustrated by our in in willingness to embrace living in the future and the idea that people want to keep working so much and working too much. I mean, the economists in the 50s thought that by now we would have, you know, 15, 15, 20 hour work weeks. Yeah. Now we work more. Yep. I do. But people don't do <laughs> anything. You don't, you don't do anything, Jervon, right now. <laughs> but. but I feel like people, I don't know if this was, there wasn't, uh, you know, iPhones and Facebook, you know, 50 years ago. But I don't know if people did this 50 years ago where, like, they show up at work for eight hours, but they spend actually, like, two hours doing work. I think a, there's a – I mean, I don't know if it's only two hours, Justin, but um, I think there's a decent amount of goof-offery that happened. It was just in different forms. That's why yeah. I like these – there's these, you know, Twitter accounts or what have you of pictures from the past making jokes and see like a picture of a train where everyone on the train is re- has a big old newspaper in front of their face and then the comment is yeah we used to be so much more in touch with each other before we had technology <laughs> um, like no like we 
like we do the same things. We just have different tooling for it. Mm. And so, you know, you, you, I mean, I mean, there's the, the mad men culture. Like you took, you know, three hour lunches and got drunk. Like this is one way to spend your work day. Um, or, you know, talking at the water cooler or whatever. And then some jobs really did are, you know, that kind of, and they still, I'm, there's just different kinds. Like if you're in ambulatory services, like you, which is like ambulance stuff. So you, your job is to hang around until someone needs an ambulance. So depending on where you work, that happens more often than not. But, you know, there's, there's been more jobs like that in the past, like being a telephone dispatcher. So you, you have to be there, but you have to hang around until someone needs to make a phone call and you connect them, stuff like that. There's things like that that involve lots of chilling. A lot of operations probably involves a lot of chilling if you're doing it right. Oh, that's a good point. That, you know, operations is a great job for you. You get to automate lots of stuff. And, you know, so long as nothing is going wrong, then you are doing really good at your job. Yeah. And then when stuff goes wrong, you maybe have, you know, anywhere from an hour to a couple days of panic. And then you, you equalize. I've had friends who their favorite jobs have been doing night shift knock and you know just like playing video games or taking a nap and then the their alarm goes off and they have to respond to something before i liked programming my whole goal was to get jobs that i didn't have to work that much and i did have a job like that third shift at a, a mini mart and i would just basically read and draw and hang out all day because <laughs> otherwise the math of like what you're doing is just so daunting because i was i was working in a mini mart for like I don't know, like five, 15 hours or something. And uh, whenever I'd buy something, I would just do this math. I'm like, oh, this movie ticket. I just wor work like two hours for this movie ticket. Oh, yeah. Let's start a politics podcast. <laughs> no, terrible idea. No, thank you. I know Justin likes starting podcasts. Yeah, to my detriment. Did you start a new one? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. I missed the Elixir podcast train. Mm. That already going well good thing we have a generalized podcast about <laughs> <laughs> no i like this podcast and the other one is just a cs book club is just a experiment that's going pretty well i was just reading uh i saw my news app on my phone that the the hitchbot philadelphia story made national news oh i mean so the hackery has offers to fix the hitchbot as well so i'm on i'm on the board of the hackery and Oh, they're cool. they're an awesome hackerspace with a their their kind of focus and bend is art and education respectively in terms of what the hackerspace kind of focuses on and so I think it's an interesting match for for them to offer to help the Hitchbot. I actually I didn't read so what actually happened to the Hitchbot. Uh, so well for people that don't know Hitchbot is this uh, robot in quotes. It's just really a a thing that looks like a humanoid ish thing barrel with foam legs and shoes and hands and it has a, a screen and i think like solar panels i think it can even like say things but not like intelligently um but essentially the idea of it is that the creators left it on the side of the road with a sign that like was hitchhiking and people take it around and take pictures of it with instagram or whatever and, and tag it with hitchbot and so they they have an Instagram account that I've been following for a while where they like they compile all these photos and and show where the Hitchbot is right now. I think they can even like locate it because it has like battery and solar power. Um, but essentially, it's a hitchhiking robot. So nobody travels with it; it just travels by itself with people carrying it around. So then it ended up in Philadelphia over the weekend, and uh, I think the story is it was like really late at night in Old City, 
which uh, there was a funny tweet from Amy Jane Gruber saying that only people in Old City at 1 a.m. are from New Jersey. <laughs> but somebody uh, vandalized the, the Hitchbot in Old City, Philadelphia. They find vandalized. Did they take it apart? Like what I did think they, they like do? smashed it. Like oh, it, so they uh, were they were just terrible people. Yeah, they ripped its arms off. <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. So I heard um, conflicting stories. Like I, I heard that story that the Hackatory offered to fix it, and then afterwards I heard that the makers of Hitchbot said it was beyond repair. So I don't know. I don't know if it is like a fixable thing at this point. Like I don't. I don't know about. Hackery and the Hitchbot makers, but if I had made the Hitchbot and it had, it seems to be a very strong, uh, I guess, brand. Like it's been around for a few years or at least a year or so. Um, it's getting a lot of publicity, especially now. Um, I wouldn't want some third party like making it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think like turning the creation of Hitchbot into a community effort is really the the point. That could be mistaken though. Like, I saw Hackery was like, oh, yeah, we'll make Hitchbot 2. And I was like, eh, that doesn't really make sense. Mm, I know they were trying to get in contact with the original creators. Yeah. To try and see if they could do some kind of collaboration. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's funny because in Philadelphia, people are interpreting of, oh, you know, Philadelphia is awful and everyone's terrible. But I don't I don't really think that. I, just, I don't know. I'm, I guess also being from or having lived in Philadelphia, I'm completely not surprised by people in Old City smashing something on, <laughs> over a weekend. Like that is just like, I mean, that's why you won't find me in Old City on a weekend night. Like this is, you know, this is the things that happen. Yeah. It is. It is funny. It does, that it, bad. it does sound pretty bad, doesn't it? It is funny that it made it all the way through Canada, like all across the country. And oh, it went, it went through Europe and yeah, it was on a U.S. tour, I guess. We know if it hitchhiked in New Jersey, it also broke the law. So, you know, we can well, feel better about that. So you can't hitchhike. laws apply to robots? I don't know. We've got, we've got, uh, we're back into the politics discussion then, aren't we? <laughs> do the right, do the laws of humans extend to robots? Is it, is it illegal for a robot to hitchhike in New Jersey? Next t-shirt on Turing Incomplete. <laughs> but actually, I had a couch shipper once who got picked up for hitchhiking in New Jersey. Which is kind of shitty because what happens is, you know, a cop pulls over and says, hi, it's illegal to hitchhike in New Jersey. And then they drop you off in some town that doesn't have a bus station. So what are you supposed to do? You hitchhike to the bus station, which is exactly what he did. So hitchhiking laws are weird, but you should probably just let people hitchhike. Because they just like call including people who are robots. ask a ride to the train station. <laughs> Surprise Hitchbot doesn't have like a, like a map of like, this is where I've been. An oh, API. Follow my journey. There's not. I mean, that seems like a really. Hmm. Are the are the pictures geo stamped? I don't know. Geocoded. Well, I guess each each picture comes from an individual person, so I guess it depends on that person. Oh, if other. Oh, like the the bot does not have its own camera. But you could probably like approximate. Okay. The, wait. So this is this. Wait. Okay. Hold on. If this bot has no tracking, how is it even? Uh, yes, you you already said it's like humanoid. Like, what differentiates it from like a stuffed animal? Well, essentially, is it that the animal? They, they mentioned that they couldn't uh, locate it because its battery was dead. So it makes me think it has, like, solar power and GPS um, just so they can kind of, like, track it. I mean, we have that on stuffed animals now, right? <laughs> That's the thing, right? You can get that Build-A-Bear you put in the GPS chip, right? That's the thing? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I don't know. I'm hearts in my Build-A-Bear. I don't know what type of Build-A-Bear you're working on. <laughs> you only put hearts in your Build-A-Bear. You know, what's funny is the robot has a bucket list, which is funny because part of it is a bucket. Is to have a bucket? No, it's made from a bucket. Oh, it's made from a bucket. Oh, ironic. You know, I wonder if someone's bought the movie rights to the story of Hitchbot. This could be a dramatic, emotional <laughs> journey. 
Bucket list did not include Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. Yeah. See the lights in Times Square of New York. Uh, do the wave at a sports game. That could have been Philly, I guess. My final destination is the Exploratorium in San Francisco, California. Guess what? It didn't make it there. Are you guys ready for picks? Yeah, and that sad note. I have a pick. So I just, I picked up this link today of a, it's a paper. Um, it is a privacy analysis of the HTML5 battery status API. What? So, hum? HTML has a battery status API? HTML5 has all the APIs, Justin. Didn't you go okay. to the HTML5 talks? You missed no, it. Um, so the the battery status API, which is just, I mean, it's a it's an interesting paper, but it's it's really part of the category of yet another thing that proves that you can you can be fingerprinted and identified by pretty much anything. <laughs> so so it, it explores the especially the the Firefox browser implementation to um, to to figure out the capacity of people's batteries and you know ways to attack someone based on using the battery API. So it's interesting, privacy-related, cool paper, only a few pages. So my music pick is uh, an artist. I think it's Sainabo Say. Huh. She's pretty awesome, has a good voice. Um, then my programming pick is... I have two. I'm going to pick two. Uh, iTerm 2 version 3 is in <laughs> beta. It's, I don't know why they call it iTerm 2. Uh, it's the second iTerm. Yeah, but... It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, and then there's like three. I don't know. Anyways, it's pretty nice. Uh, you can like uh, click... Like each file is a link now, so you can click and open the file. Um, it's integrated with the Unix shell, so you can drag and drop stuff to SCP. They're making it a little more user-friendly, or the shell in general, I guess. Um, it's prettier. And then my other pick is a tool. I was thinking about Len's question about what makes Emacs awesome. And if you're writing Lisp, uh, there's a tool called Parrot Edit um, that handles parentheses for you, um, making sure they're balanced and opening them up and closing them up and slurping and all that stuff. Um, so Parrot it. And Vim has one, I think. Vim has a Parrot it also. So those are my picks. Justin. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pick a game called Journey for PlayStation. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, so just play it. It's really short. It's like an hour and a half. Uh, it's very emotional. You should try it. My first pick is Elixir Status. Uh, if you're into Elixir, uh, all the top good Elixir news shows up there. Uh, if you're not into Elixir, you probably didn't make it through the first uh, 20 minutes of our podcast. <laughs> uh, and then my second pick is uh, the Dev Icons plugin for Vim, if you are a Vim user. Uh, basically anywhere there's a file, this will just have an icon for the file type. Uh, the one pain in the ass thing is you need to install special fonts that have all those file type uh, symbols. Um, so that's it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TuringCool. Show notes are at Turing.cool slash 59. And I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.